1: you know, every day is a little different on this show. I don't come in with a plan of what I'm going to talk about, and it's very flexible. Ask the two guys who kill themselves every day to try and figure out what we're going to talk about, Jim and uh, Robert. They get frustrated sometimes because they know I don't want to do the ordinary, and they work and they get the sound, and I was going to talk about the fact that we had a huge victory over the weekend where the president banned the use of cyanide bombs to kill animals. It's a huge story, and... uh Unto itself, that's worth talking about because it's a small victory, but life consists of small defeats and small victories until the final victory or the final defeat, whatever that may be. But I'm not going to talk about that right now because a new article came out minutes before the show that I think is much more important to the average person than mere animals. Now, to me, animals are critical because we are animals, and what we do to them is what happens to us. If we step on the animals, if we mistreat animals, we mistreat our earth. We mistreat ourselves. Until we come to understand we are part of all of this, we'll never understand who we are or what our place is in the universe. But that's a subject for philosophy, not for talk radio. And talk radio is largely about politics, especially in its hyper-political time. Aaron Klein approached me from Breitbart last week, and he said, I want to write an article about the corporate media's collective freakout regarding Israel's decision to deny entry to anti-American reps Elon Omar, D. Min, and Rashida Tilab, D. Michigan, while saying nothing about the U.K.'s ban on Michael Savage, who he calls a talk radio legend and New York Times bestselling author. And he said this is another example of how the press has no standards. So the article came out a few minutes before the show, and they put it up on Breitbart. It's the number one article on Breitbart because people still do understand it. Unfortunately, many people don't understand why this is still important. Do I really care whether I go to England or not? No. The answer is I don't need to go to England for any particular reason except to visit my plant specimens and make sure they're organized properly. It's one of the seven museums around the world that has my rare collections. But that's not the point. The point is if they can ban me for what I said or didn't say, they can ban you. And if they can ban you, you could be banned in the EU. If they could be banned in the EU, they can ban you in this country when the Democrats take control, whatever time that may be in the future, and it will happen. It will happen. Make no mistake about it. The communist movement is on the march. They've got the moronic, drug-addicted, sex-addicted youth on their side, and it's only a matter of time until this nation falls into a thousand years of darkness. When that darkness falls upon this nation, they could deport people from this nation for their political beliefs which is why my being banned in Britain is such a damn big deal to everyone in this country. And I am shocked that the fake conservatives in the media say nothing about it. Where's the great Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson. For years, he was a left-wing fanatic on NPR with a bow tie. You remember that? You forgot his years? You forgot when he was a left-winger. Now, all of a sudden, he's the darling of the conservative movement. The man is a naked opportunist who steals half his ideas from my show. Everybody knows that. When has he last mentioned this story? Never. Because what you still don't understand is that this is a business. Many of you listen to talk radio because you think it's a cause, and it should be a cause, and it is a cause. It's been a cause for me from the day I began, and maybe for some others here and there. But if we are not going to talk about an issue as big as this, what are we going to talk about, selling you T-shirts or things of that nature? Is that a big deal? Is that a big deal? About banning a person for something he didn't even say? Doesn't that affect you? So what I'm going to do is tell you it does affect you. Because it will affect you. It will affect you if this communist, Bernie Sanders, he won't win. But he has brainwashed an entire generation. He has poisoned the mind of millions of youth who do not know what communism actually is. He is a naked communist, a very dangerous naked communist. He always has been. And uh, he has called for the registry of federal law enforcement officers that he doesn't like. He has called for cutting the prison population in half and releasing the prisoners into the streets of America. He wants any incarcerated felon, including the Boston Marathon bomber and those convicted of sexual assault, the right to vote. Uh, Under Sanders' initiative, three strikes laws would be erased from the books. Solitary confinement would be eliminated in America. He would open up drug injection sites and needle exchanges in every city, town, and county in this country. He would support pilot programs for supervised drug injection sites, which will not reduce drug overdose deaths. It will just spread the use of drugs. This man is the most dangerous man in political history. And if a man like that has poisoned the mind of occasional cortex and others, and they're on the rise, you're telling me if they ever gain major national power. They wouldn't reach the point where they start ec- deporting American citizens whose politics they don't like. Yes, they would. And that brings us right back to why the article in Breitbart is so important. Exclusive. Michael Savage slams media's silence over his UK ban amid Omar t uproar. Now, as you may know, last week, the Israelis uh, banned or barred these two anti-American louts from visiting the Jewish state and they did so because they don't invite people who want to destroy them into their country would you invite someone who wants to destroy you into your house or your left-wing phonies let's say there are people out there who hate you and want to destroy you You'd invite him over for dinner you understand what I'm saying to you now counter that with me I never said I hate anyone in Britain ever as a matter of fact the opposite is true the opposite is true because I have actually supported Britain I have lauded Britain I am an Anglophile. I have lauded the things that the British have given the world. And yet I was banned, unlike these two evil anti Americans. So then T Lab, the front for the Muslim sisterhood, in my opinion, then says she wants Israel to allow her into the West Bank to visit her 90 year old grandmother, a request the Israeli government swiftly granted on humanitarian grounds. But then she said, I'm not going to visit my relatives. So it wasn't about her grandmother, was it? Was it ever really about her grandmother? No, not at all. Because as Breitbart News has uncovered, the group that had organized Omar and Tilab's trip to embarrass Israel and America is run by none other than the Palestinian extremist and terrorist-loving Israel boycott defender Hanan Aswari, who's been around since Yasser Arafat's days. That's who's behind this movement on the colleges. So they asked me what I thought, and here's what Savage said. Maybe if I said I wanted to visit my grandmother, the U.K. would let me in, quipped Savage, who was barred from Britain in 09, along with radical Islamic terrorists and neo-Nazis for reasons never justified. Under the Gordon Brown administration, then Home Secretary Jackie Smith added Savage to the ban list, but never specified which of Savage's comments prompted the ban. It remains unclear whether Jackie Smith has ever actually listened to Savage's longtime nationally syndicated broadcast. Savage continued in his quotes. He said, T Lab is a known Jew hating, Israel hating, America hating, Palestinian radical. I have only the utmost respect for the English people and their great traditions. I never threaten to fire up crowds, Savage continued. I am not a front for the Muslim sisterhood. I am not someone who hates Britain. I am an American patriot. Asked if the difference in media coverage between his and T-Lab's ban exposes a double standard, Savage bluntly replied, they have no standards. Nonetheless, Savage, with the help of his longtime attorney, Daniel Horowitz, have petitioned recently minted Prime Minister Boris Johnson to lift the ban on him. Horowitz wrote in a letter to Johnson earlier this month, the ban has stood in place for a decade. Now is the time to lift the ban and take a stand for the rights of free speech that have come under assault. In the land of the Magna Carta, Horowitz wrote. Boris Johnson, then serving as Mayor of London, opposing barring Savage opposed barring Savage from entering the country, then calling it utterly demented. In 2017, the radio host launched a petition asking President Donald Trump to lobby the UK to end the ban. The petition garnered thousands of st- signatures from loyal Michael Savage fans from across the U.S. Sadly, sadly, I must say, Donald Trump has never responded. To this request okay the day is young the issue was is long maybe one day we will hear from the president on this if you care to comment on this and understand how big this is and how it's not about one man but it's about a much bigger principle the phone number is 855-400-7282 or if you care to comment on any other topic that is bothering you in the political world or otherwise Again, we invite you to call The Savage Nation. The show is live for two hours. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the cyanide bombs used to kill animals, how it was uh, reversed by Donald Trump because of me and my audience. I want to talk about the sick Marxist Bernie Sanders going to war against, quote, white nationalists when I said on my... Did you hear what I said on my, on my uh, Twitter feed when I read that? When I read that Sanders tweets, my father's whole family was wiped out by Hitler... And when I become president, I'm going to fight the white nationalist movement. Here's what I wrote. Bastard Sanders says he will go to war against the white nationalism because Hitler wiped out his Polish ancestors. Sick lying Marxists should thank the white nationalists lying in military cemeteries who defeated Hitler. And I stand by those words. Every man who died in battle was there because they were defending America. You want to call them white nationalists, Bernie? You are a naked, filthy, disgusting communist Bolshevik from hell. Now, you're lucky I'm not in power, Bernie, because I would definitely like to look into your background. I know you were in the Soviet Union. I know you lauded uh, the Marxist government. I know you lauded the Castro brothers. I know that you're an all-around evil man, Bernie. But you see, we live in a democracy where even low-life, anti-American, lazy bums like you can run for the presidency. Okay, my friends, if you care to comment on this or that, or about Scaramucci now recruiting cabinet members to trash Trump. Look, Scaramucci is only looking for publicity. That's all he's doing. You know, he could also have not made it such a public story. He could be unhappy with the president in some ways, right? Why is he going out of his way to undermine Trump when he knows the opposition are Marxists like this bastard Sanders? What does Scaramucci really want other than a few minutes of fame? We're also going to talk about the uh, fascist protests in Portland and how anti-FAR really is the FAR movement. They're not the anti-FAR. I'll be right back. Savage. Welcome back to the uh, Savage Nation. So let me ask you a question. Why is the media promoting the political stunt of the two Muslim haters, T-Lab and Omar, but ignoring the fact that I am banned in Britain? Can you see the difference between the two bands, or is there some overlap? Should there be limits on free speech? Well, there already are limits on free speech in this country. But I must remind you that these limits are severely watched and observed by those in talk radio. We never call for deaths of anyone. We never call for violence, for example. We know that. Uh, do you believe England's policies regarding Muslim refugees has helped to hurt their nation? Which civilization is more free, Britain's or Israel's? I think about that one. And why would a refugee in England have more rights than someone from a free nation like ours? Do you know that there are Muslims in England calling for the death of the Queen and they don't throw them out of the country? Are you aware of that? Do you understand Britain has been taken over and liter- literally is an occupied nation? And they're running scared from the population of immigrants that they let in initially for labor. Initially, it was Pakistanis largely that were led into the country to do menial labor. Do you know that? And it turned into a nation that is now afraid of its own immigrant population. If you think we're very far behind with our own immigrants, you're mistaken. We're only a few ticks away from that one. But um, I want your answers on this or the topics that may interest you. What is the number one thing bothering you about the government, the nation, the news cycle, or, or, or whatever today? What topic do you feel is the most important? The phone number here again is 855-400-7282. If you're not interested in these topics, then I'm going to avoid politics today, and I will do something else entirely. I will either talk about, I will start reading. I think I'll filibuster my own show. If I read you a story as important as this, and you don't care, you're so jaded that you don't care because your brains have been washed. I don't understand if there's even a conservative movement left in the country. Was there ever a conservative movement in America? What did it stand for? Let's see, it stood for small government. We now have the biggest government in modern history. It stood for what? Uh, Controlling the budget. We now have a budget that's been blown through uh, through the stratosphere. They have nothing to say about that. So what does the conservative movement stand for? Don't give me the homilies about the Constitution. That's an esoteric statement that has almost no meaning right now. Originally, the conservative movement stood for what? It stood for smaller government, limited government, right? And fiscal conservatism, where did all of that go under Donald Trump? It went out the window. But why are you not saying anything about it? Listen, Trump is very sensitive to criticism. Trump does respond to criticism, and not always in a negative way. When I sent him the cyanide bomb story, and I sent it to an inner circle individual, listen to me very carefully. I don't care what you heard or read in the media. Remember what I just said to you. They were going to use cyanide bombs until I started making a story about it. I did a podcast on it. I did a show on it two days last week. Trump reversed the use of the cyanide bombs on wildlife. He does respond to public pressure, especially from people who have supported him. So listen to me very carefully. Why are you not telling Trump to stop spending money like a drunken sailor? Why are you not pressuring the Republican Party to rein in their spending? Why are you not lobbying the Republican Party, to stop being nothing but a gigantic New World Order, uh, what shall I say, scam? What is it? What does the RNC stand for? What the hell does the Republican Party stand for today? Tell me what their principles are. Oh, I see, they're against socialism. That's all very good. What does that mean? What is socialism? Why, it's big government, high taxes, and out-of-control spending to begin with, isn't it? So tell me how the big government, out-of-control spending of the Republicans is much different than the big government, out-of-control spending of the mainstream Democrats? Do you actually think that if, um, whatever his name is, Biden, he's a front man, if Biden won or the, the hag from Harvard won, do you actually think that this government would change that much? The words would change, the rhetoric would change, but what would actually change in terms of your life? How would your life change if Biden won? Have you thought about that other than the scare tactics, Of the gangsters in the Republican Party? Tell me what would really happen to you. Think about that one. And I'll take your calls when I come back on that. Savage. Now, I want to tell you that you can call this show, even if you're listening to this show, by streaming it. Many people don't know that. This has been the number one streaming radio show for years It bounces between this show and Russia's show. It's now number two, uh, which is a huge deal for you to understand. Although the show is still on a couple of hundred stations, a large audience of listeners do listen to this program on the Internet. That means streaming. They go to a website that streams the show, and they listen online. They don't listen to it on a station where I'm not heard because they can't hear it there. So they figure, I still want to hear the guy, and he's still on the air. He's on many stations. So they stream it. So if you're streaming the show, you can call the show, by dialing 855-407-282. And we could talk about the lead story on Breitbart. Savage slams media over his UK ban amid Omar T-Lab uproar. Trump hears savage and stops cyanide bombs to kill animals. Sick Marxist Bernie Sanders wants to go to war against, quote, white nationalism. Do you fear an economic collapse, which might happen before the election, or you'd think it's all hype? Why is Scaramucci recruiting cabinet members to trash Trump? Uh, Where are the former allies? And, of course, the Antifa protests in Portland. Why has this government not yet named Antifa a terrorist group and arrested the leadership? Again, if those topics intrigue you or if there's something else that is bothering you, the number to call is 855 Let's begin in Las Vegas where Wendy is listening on line one. Wendy, what's your topic?
2: Hi, Dr. Savage. How are you? What's up? Dr. Savage, I have been to London three times in the last 10 years, and each time, just when you think you cannot be shocked anymore, you're shocked 10 times worse.
1: What happens? An
2: outrage to hear that liberal Baghdad London, which is what it's turned into over these last 10 years, is banning you. It's an outrage, and I think President Trump...
1: Well, when you say that you went there three times and it gets more shocking each time, in what way does it get more shocking?
2: Well, the first time I was kind of surprised at all the diversity. I'm born and raised in New York City. Wait, wait
1: don't say the word diversity. That's a that's a communistic front word oh. for what you really mean. <laughs> Speak to me in New Yorkese. What do you mean? What do you actually see? Don't say the word diversity.
2: Okay. The second and third time that we went, literally, when you're walking in the streets of London, all you see are a sea of black ghosts. These women are tripping over their feet in these two long burkas that don't fit, they bump into you it's just it's filthy it's dirty there's urine in the street oh you
1: can't (laughs) notice that 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 watch out you'll get banned from entering england
2: I'm outraged that you're banned, Dr. Savage. It's an outrage.
1: and stuff Well, I've been outraged for 10 years, but what I'm more outraged by is that there's no media coverage except in Breitbart. Why don't you hear about this? You hear all about T-Lab and Omar not going to Israel like that's a big loss for them. I never said anything negative about England. They say negative things about Israel all the time, so I don't blame Israel for banning them. On the other hand, I've supported England. I'm an Anglophile, not an Anglophobe, and yet they won't let me in. There are people in England, Muslims, who hate the Queen, hate England, hate the law of England, and they don't throw them out. Go figure that one out.
2: Of course, of course. I agree with you completely, and it's very sad to hear that you're... Are,
1: are you listening to this show in Vegas on a station or online?
2: Every day I listen to it, Dr. Savage. I plan my errands around your show. No, no,
1: but wait. Are you listening to me on a station or online?
2: On the station.
1: In in Las Vegas. I love the Las, Las Vegas. Vegas.
2: I you're love on- the Las
1: Vegas market. I'm so glad that the, that the station is still carrying the show. Uh, Kudos to the program director. Let me send you a copy of A Savage Life, my latest book. California, Lee, line four. What's your topic today? Go ahead, please.
3: Dr. Savage, what I'm seeing is, is this is a little bigger than just banning you. I think they didn't want you over there for the first place because of the presence that you bring with you with your wisdom. They don't want anybody looking behind the scenes back over there. So they came up with what I believe to be the cover story of uh, potential racism or whatever garbage story they've, they've done to keep you from getting over there. They don't want you over there because they're afraid of what you might discover. That's my opinion.
1: Well, I don't think they're hiding what they've become. I think that they are uh, pretty clearly been co- colonized. Their own country has been colonized by their immigrants. It's quite an interesting observation, isn't it? England is literally a colony of people they invited in as workers who have now taken over Their country. Oh, yes, on the face of it, you have the bluster in Parliament. But they're not really running the country. The streets are where you see the country and how it's being run. Isn't it true? Thank you, Lee. It's like in New York. Who's actually running New York? Are are, Are the taxpayers running New York? Are the taxpayers running San Francisco? I'm one of the principal taxpayers in the state of California. I had a friend email me saying that they went to the city. And a bum dropped his pants in front of the woman and defecated right in front of the woman's shoes. And the man could not do anything to the bum. Because if the man had done what a man should do to a man who does that, the man protecting the woman would have been arrested. So you tell me who's running the cities when you've got filthy, degenerate people lower than animals, allowed to roam the streets and do things that even an animal would not do. Even an animal would go to the curb to relieve themselves. Even an animal has an instinct to go into a bush to relieve themselves. In San Francisco, the human animals who have taken over the streets have fallen lower, lower, I say, than most animals in that city. Did you hear the story about the woman last week that I told you about who was almost beaten to death outside of her apartment? The judge released the man two days after he was arrested. Who was the dirty judge? Who appointed the dirty judge? Jerry Brown appointed the judge. And what did the judge say? Oh, I didn't see the videotape of the bum, the homeless bum, grabbing the woman outside of her apartment. I didn't see it. But now that I saw it, I'll put him on an ankle bracelet. The police said that's not enough, Miss Judge. That man should be put away for a long time. He is going to kill somebody. Why is the judge not fired? Why has the judge not been pushed down to traffic court? Why? Because this is the most corrupt city in the United States of America. We need an FBI strike force to come in and take over San Francisco and give us a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, mainly to give us law and order. We have no order and we have no law. All we have is anarchy in the city, and that is a result of liberalism, the mental disorder. Tampa, Florida, Vince, Line 8. Go ahead, please. What's your topic?
3: Uh, I was just, so uh, I just caught what you were saying about London. Um, I'm, I'm a U.S. serviceman. I was stationed in England for three years, so I know what's going on in England. However, yesterday I flew from Munich and I had spent the day in Munich the day prior and it's just as bad in Germany as it is in England.
1: When you say just as bad, in what way, please? Be specific. Don't worry about it. I'm not a commanding officer who's going to admonish you. You have free speech in this country. You have free speech on the savage nation. What do you mean by it's just as bad?
3: Well,
4: the United States is going to get overrun with Muslims,
2: too, because
1: why aren't Oh, but the Muslims come here. They're all peace-loving. They don't want to take over the country. They're bringing a beautiful, advanced civilization. They put their women in burqas where only a slits in their eyes show. Isn't that an advanced form of femininity? Isn't that something we should embrace? Is covering the woman from head to toe? Well, no, because most countries on earth ban the burqa. And by the way, the burqa is not even in the Quran. Did you know that? No, I didn't. It's not in the Quran. It's not part of Islam. It's part of a politiza- politization of Islam by radicals in Islam. In the last number of years who have, let's say, in the last hundred years, it's not in the Quran. Modern Muslim women don't cover their, their bodies and their eyes. Okay, I, I you know, it's like talking to myself most of the time. People assume that when you see women dressed like that in black tents on a hot day that this is part of their culture, and say, oh, well, they're entitled to it. I believe in freedom. No, it's not part of their culture. It's part of their cultural appropriation, number one. And number two... It's part of their attempt to intimidate you with their outfits. There are many people who are frightened by women walking around with their bodies and heads covered and only their eyes showing, and rightly so, because there have been numerous terrorist acts by men and women hiding in burkas with explosives underneath their their, their cloaks. You're saying I'm making it up? Check it out and you'll see I'm not making it up. There are countries in Europe, advanced nations, who have banned this body covering for very good reason. But let's get back to the disreputable T-Lab and Omar, these two disreputable congresswomen who hate Jews, hate Israel, associate with those who hate Jews and Israel, naked anti-Semites. They set up a stunt to go to Israel knowing that Israel would reject their uh, uh, attempt to enter the nation because they were going there only to embarrass the nation and to attack the nation of Israel. No other reason. Then she switches it and says she wants to visit her poor ailing grandmother, who she hasn't seen in many years. So Israel says, okay, you can go visit the grandmother uh, on humanitarian grounds. And she says, no, I don't want to go see my grandmother because your your rules are too restrictive. So Israel called their bluff. And all of a sudden, she doesn't want to visit the sacred grandmother who said, may Donald Trump die or something like that. May God punish Donald Trump. So this is exactly what goes on in England and goes on in the European nations who are bent over backwards to the invasion that they invited upon themselves. And this nation at the same time is becoming lawless. Lawless. You've got a group called Antifa who are actually the fascists. Why do they wear masks? Why do they cover themselves in masks? Why do they hide? If Antifa is such a wonderful organization, uh, why do they have to hide? If they commit so much violence, why are they not declared to be a dangerous organization, meaning domestic terrorists? Do you know Antifa is a revolutionary communist anarchist militia movement? Did you know that? Antifa is a revolutionary communist anarchist militia movement that wants to forcibly overthrow the United States government. They are responsible for street violence and street warfare not seen in the U.S. since the 1960s. And Antifa gained a new prominence after Obama. And who are they? They claim that they trace their roots back to those who oppose Nazi stormtroopers. However, it's very hard to distinguish between them and the socialist stormtroopers that they are. I'll be right back. Savage. Now, let's go to the callers in the end of this hour. We're talking about the great uh, article uh, in Breitbart exclusive, Michael Savage slams media silence over his UK ban amid Omar T-Lab uproar. I've been invited to be on Newsmax TV tomorrow to discuss this. So far, uh, Newsmax is the only media outlet that cares a whit about this very important topic because it affects all of us, not just me. We're also talking about the fact that you should take great pleasure in the fact that the president... Did hear me. He did hear you. I hounded on this very, very heavily last week, and it became a podcast on um, Friday, August 9th, from cyanide bombs to marijuana and mass shootings. It's a podcast that I did on August 9th, and it got one of the largest downloads of all. It was a mixture of show topics, uh, and the president obviously heard about it because I sent a link to this podcast on cyanide bombs on animals to individuals in the inner circle who still receive my uh, texts. And uh, a few days later, the president said he was going to ban the use of cyanide bombs. Apparently, they're still listening to us. Apparently, all is not lost. New Mexico, Craig Line 2, go ahead, please, what's your topic?
4: Dr. Savage, I appreciate everything that you do for wildlife and animals. I know a lot of things uh, you don't talk about that uh, you've done, and I appreciate them. I'm retired army and retired police officer. And I can to kind of combine the two topics you've been talking about. Muslims and their terrorist groups in Africa are destroying our rhino and elephant populations. Yes,
1: people don't realize that it's mainly the Muslims who are machine gunning the elephants. Somehow that didn't seep out to the big um, left-wing eco-movements around the world. They're literally killing elephants with machine guns and selling their ivory in order to acquire weapons to conduct their terror acts. Is that correct?
4: That is correct. Our AFRICOM section for Special Operations Group, and that's what I did for my career, was counterterrorism. We are working tirelessly to try to reduce the impact of these organizations, but they kidnap young girls, sell them into slavery. They slaughter the rhinos and the elephants.
1: Well, we haven't heard anything on that from Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or the other bleeding-heart liberals, have we?
4: No, not at all, especially, for instance, like the open borders. Uh, These liberals that want open borders aren't taking into account the effect it's going to have on our forests, our wildlife, because people do not leave their culture packed in a box at the border. They bring it with them. So if they torture bulls in a ring, if they fight dogs to the death,
1: if they let... You know what? i got to interrupt you for one minute. I only got 30 seconds here, but here you are, a fighting man who has the sympathies that I have as a nun warrior and yet you got people who claim to be conservatives who laugh at me and mock me on radio shows and say, kill them all, crush the sea turtles, kill the bears, kill the elephants, ha ha ha. They're not conservatives at all. I have no words for them, but I have words for you. Thank you, my heroic listener, for listening to the show. Welcome back to uh, the Savage Nation Hour number 2. You know, Hour 1 ended on a very interesting note. Special Ops gentleman called and said he supports me a 1,000% on protecting wildlife, on protecting animals. And here's a man who fights for a living. He's not just a fat guy sitting in front of a microphone, just shooting off his mouth, collecting millions and millions of dollars making believe he cares about America. He's a man who actually put his life on the line for America, and he appreciates that I helped in a big way to stop the cyanide bombing of wildlife here in America, and I work so hard to save the elephants in Africa. It just shows you where the priorities are among certain people. But here are some of the other news topics. Uh, exclusive, Michael Savage slams media silence over his UK ban amid Omar T-Lab uproar. It's from Breitbart. It's on the top of michaelsavage.com, and I suggest you read it and share it. And I'm going to go, uh, i tell you what I'll do now, is I'm going to go through my website. Uh, Trump heard me stop cyanide bombs on wildlife. The NYPD just fired Officer Daniel Pantaleo in the chokehold death of Eric Garner. I support the, the NYPD a 1,000%. Now, I'm going to go back to that story for a moment. When I first watched the video of Officer Pantaleo Choking Eric Garner to death. I was as outraged then as I am now. Frankly, I think the officer should have been put in jail for what he did. He killed this man. He committed homicide. I don't care that the man was selling loose cigarettes in the streets. All I care is that I watched this man strangle a man to death in front of my eyes. And the man was screaming, I can't breathe. And Pantaleo would not let go of his neck. Five officers pulled this man down to the ground. It was heartbreaking to watch. It ripped my guts out to watch it. I'm sorry it took four years to see this guy fired, but that's not enough as far as I am concerned. Petition. Boris Johnson, please remove Michael Savage from the UK travel ban. Mr. Trump, we appeal to you as well. One 1,024th Native American, 100% liar. That's about your girl, Elizabeth Warren. Here's a really, I say alarming story. Chinese social credit score prevents 2.5 million Chinese people called discredited entities from buying plane tickets. In other words, they've turned... Chinese citizens who are not politically correct enough for the communist government from flying out of China. Do you realize how dangerous this is? That they're giving them social credit scores the same way uh, that uh, Google does? Do you understand Twitter and Google are doing the same thing to people? Stacey Abrams, I don't know who she is. I think she talks from one of the networks, says voter fraud is a myth. It does not exist, but voter suppression is real. She's a liar. She has it upside down. Podcast, Savage Looks Back on Woodstock, its influence on America himself. It's up on my podcast. Actually, it was one of my favorite shows of all time. There are other stories, and I want to read them right now. I'll get out of breath. Canada slams UK for stripping ISIS, jihadists, the British citizenship. There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on in the world. Uh, here's one that you may like. Trump trashes Fox News to reporters. Meg's vague 2020 debate threat saying, I'm the one that calls the shots. Why Trump would attack Fox News makes no sense to me. He needs every ally he can get. Why would he attack Fox News? Of course, they're not 100% behind him. Okay, but he doesn't own them. They're not a subsidiary of the White House. But he still needs the 50% of them who do support him, doesn't he? Now let's take some callers. New York City, Sadiq Line 5, go ahead, please. You're on the air. What's on your mind?
3: Uh, Dr. Savage, I've heard you repeatedly address Bernie Sanders as a seltzer man. And I thought I would just share that it's actually an insult to seltzerman of the past because, <laughs> as you know, Bernie Sanders never had a job till he was 40 years old.
1: <laughs> okay. And so I, is this sensitive to you because your father was a seltzerman or your, one of your uncles?
3: No, it's actually the word seltzer is in a title of a book that of mine that was published a few years ago. And I'm very attached to the whole, seltzer myth. <laughs> right, no, I,
1: I get it. In other words, when I say Bernie Sanders is a seltzer man, it's an insult to seltzer men.
3: Yes, because it's,
1: seltzer men is backbreaking work. They had to walk up three and four... And Explain to the audience what a seltzer man did in the heyday of, of New York seltzer. Say that again, sir? What did a seltzer man actually do when in, in New York? There are no seltzer men anymore. What was a seltzer man?
3: A seltzer man was someone who had heavy... Glass bottles uh, that were made in uh, pre-war Czechoslovakia, and filled them up with fresh seltzer, uh, and uh, it would be released through a, a gas uh, uh, valve on the on the seltzer bottle, which made it taste like a burning. Um, sensation in your
1: throat. Well, we had them in my apartment. I was I was afraid of them. I always thought they could explode. I mean, at dinner, dinner was always like, uh, like we're on edge all the time. The seltzer bottle could blow up and kill everyone in the family.
3: Uh, no, never happened.
1: You know, I'm glad seltzer bottles are, are a thing of the past because the terrorists amongst them would use them as bombs.
3: Well, the Israeli Air Force during the Independence War in 1948, to, to show the few planes that they had, they had very little actual bombs. So they would actually drop Seltzer bottles because they would make such a loud bang that Jimmy <laughs> would think they were bombs.
1: <laughs> you mean without changing the fluid inside, the liquid was still uh, the, the carbonated water?
3: No, just the bottle itself was so thick. Look and at ha-
1: this little arcane fact of history. How did I know? So, but anyway, Seltzer men, it was back-breaking work. They had to... Go up. Why are you so enamored of seltzer, man? Was your father in the business?
3: My father was not in the business. He was from the Bronx like you, which is one of the reasons. But, what,
1: did, he, did he drink seltzer or he just delivered seltzer? No, he liked egg creams, which have seltzer. Poison. Poison. It killed half the men in New York. Uh, a mixture of everything bad for a human being was in an egg cream. Yeah, but what, what else? Chocolate it? syrup. Uh, full fat, creamy milk carbonated water, what could be worse for a human body? Yeah, You know that the diet of New Yorkers in the 1950 probably was the worst diet in the history of mankind? Absolutely. The worst. And look how far we've come in terms of our knowledge of what uh, diet, can the effects it can have upon our health. Okay, uh, your point is well taken. I will not refer to Bernie as a seltzer man. What would you refer to him as?
3: I would refer to him as the, the other terms that you use, which is the filthy rumpled soup and uh, spittle in your face, the communist on, <laughs> uh,
1: on the, yeah, on the, the, spittle face. in your face kind of guy. Did you know that type that put their poked you in the chest with their finger while telling you about the wonders of Karl Marx? It's
3: before my time, but I know the type through anecdotes of, of family members of mine. So the <laughs> there, always, why was there always a commie in the family? Unfortunately, they were enamored with communism because they came from from Russia, where communism is. Finally, a Jew can be equal with anybody
1: else. Oh, so it's only Jews who like communism? Not only Jews, but so many Jews were into it at that time because communism... Yeah, but I've met Irish people who've told me that the Irish are more communistic than the Jews were. That I don't know. Oh, you never heard about the Italian anarchists or the Irish communists?
3: I've heard of the Italian
1: anarchists, but... uh... But, you know, see, Jews get a bad rap that they're the only ones who were the communists. But if you look into immigrants in New York or the East Coast at that time, many of them were socialists and or communists. You know that, don't you? Yes. So why do you think we have a resurgence? It's a, Actually, this is an interesting question. Why in this affluence that we are all enjoying in this country today under Trump, why is there such a um, rising tide of socialism?
3: Oh, that's that is a question that... you know, that's a
1: question I've never really asked here we have about the most booming economy in our history uh, full employment, especially amongst minorities and yet a socialism is rising in the nation now why is that Certainly the media is oriented towards uh, pushing socialism, but why would the average person who was doing better than he has in such a long time want a socialist government where they would suffer greatly? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that other than the corruption in the media. I I do want to say this. I went shopping the other day, as I do most days for myself, and I was in Safeway. I always love to shop because I love to see the food distribution system of America, which is the greatest in the world. I happen to get a high walking down the aisles and looking at all the choices that I have, whether it be in bread or in pickles or mayonnaise or wine or meats or poultry. I'm always amazed at the distribution in America, the production and distribution of food. And I think what would happen in this country as I'm looking at the meats and the chickens and the fish, what would happen if a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren or, God forbid, in 10 years, that loudmouth moron bartender gained power in this country, they would destroy the food distribution system in this nation and we would have mass starvation. And to me, it's all in a chicken. In other words, I see the world when I go shopping for a chicken. Do you understand that? I actually see politics in a supermarket. Do you? Back in a minute. Savage. All right, we're jammed on callers, which is one of the reasons that I love a two-hour live show is because the callers line up for hour two to talk. It's really good. And we have a great guest coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour 34 after the hour on the topic of, uh, I think, Bernie Sanders and what he wants to do to this country. It's a fascinating uh, interview, and I think you're going to enjoy it. But let's take the callers, please. Uh, Wisconsin Scott, let's keep it to 30 seconds or less. Scott, what's on your mind?
3: Dr. Savage, uh, I just wanted to let you know, I started listening to your show through streaming, not through radio. My brother lived out in San Francisco. He sang with a group called Chanticleer. He started sending me youtube clips of your show the things that you would say turn me on to you i started listening on talk stream live
4: and became a huge
1: fan so not you know what thank you it is a number one or two streaming show on talk stream live for many many years which is quite a statement about the listeners in america they can find you if, if you're if you're putting out a good message they'll find you and i thank you for becoming a regular listener i'm going to send you stay in the line a copy of a savage life jim will get your address and i have an answer now of why is socialism growing in a booming economy it's almost a paradox why should socialism be on the rise during a booming economy it's a great question elio in queens new york seems to have an answer elio what's your answer to that conundrum
3: well
4: your, your old hometown county of queens county is becoming socialist what's going on is young young youth in their 20s are moving in from all over the country they're moving into a story at jackson heights and they can't afford the rent, so they're all teaming up. A lot of it's tenant rights-oriented, and they're becoming socialists.
1: Uh- and they assume that a socialist is going to give them a home in Great Neck for free? <laughs> yeah. Do they assume that a socialist is going to come down from heaven and take someone's house away and give it to them? Is that it? Yeah, that's what they think. I mean, I- I'm not sure. Guess if what? If it was up to Elizabeth Warren and de Blasio, it would happen. And I have told many snotty people here in the Bay Area the same exact thing these supercilious white people who live in homes with four bedrooms because the children that they had grew up and left. I said, do you have any idea what you're talking about? Have you read Dr. Zhivago by Boris Pasternak? Do you realize that if you keep pushing your socialist rhetoric, a government will come along and tell you that you got to put two immigrants in one of your bedrooms, two homeless in another bedroom, two of this and two of that, and they'll move you out to an outhouse in the back of your house, and they look at me like I'm crazy because they're stupid. Do you know that no matter how educated or how affluent some of these people are, they're actually dumb.
4: And I have another theory about these young youth. When we were kids growing up in Queens, we always played on the streets. And our parents now, parents have white parents have one or two kids, and they become helicopter parents, and they control the kid more, and they're more likely to submit
1: to authority. They're not as rebellious as. as no, I never thought about <laughs> that. But not. Well, it's also the drugs that the children are being given. I again, every time I go, I almost. I was in a coffee shop the other day with my wife, and I saw another nice-looking suburban wife with her children saying to this three-year-old, would you like a scone? This was in the morning. The child had, had no breakfast. Would you like a scone or would you like a muffin, honey? Like the three-year-old knows what he's eating. She is turning the child into a drug addict through the excessive sugar intake she is putting into that child's body but the mother is as stupid as the child even more stupid because the child knows nothing and the mother should have known better but my wife grabbed my arm and said don't say a word because you'll wind up getting arrested so i didn't say a word but the children are drug addicts they start them on sugar then they put them on antidepressants or uh, anti-hyperactivity drugs the child then escalates to, to street drugs the next thing you know they're brainwashed robots so it's not just the fact that the helicopter parents They're dumb parents. Thank you for calling. Now you'll understand why there's such a movement towards socialism. The propaganda is around the clock. It is endless. The wonders of socialism, when they don't even understand what it means, they think they're going to get a free apartment and a free car, free medication, free education. Do they understand that socialism is a wonderful system until you run out of other people's money, as the great Margaret Thatcher taught us a long time ago? No, they do not. Uh, We have time for a couple of more calls. Alabama, Chris disagrees with me on the choking to death of uh, Eric Garner. Uh, Please go ahead, uh, Chris. You're on the program. Go ahead, please.
3: I'm pretty sure that they've been trying to convict this guy for five years and have not been able to convict him of the death of this guy, that he was the actual cause of death of this guy. I'm pretty
4: sure it was an asthma. Let's
1: let's have a rational discussion. Did you ever watch the video of Officer Pantaleo choking Eric Garner? I have watched it several times. All right, let's, let's just not argue. We don't have to yell at each other. Pantaleo is a very powerful man with arms like pythons, tattooed python arms. Four other cops were holding poor Eric Gardner down like an animal. He looked like a trapped animal. Pantaleo could have let go of him. While the man was on the ground, he was still choking the life out of him. The man was screaming, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Why did Pantaleo not stop at that point? He because he was having an asthma attack. He was having a what? It's a normal takedown. Wait a minute, sir. Excuse me. So, in other words, when a man is choking to death, you keep choking him to help him breathe? Wasn't choking him anymore? He stopped. Sir, he choked him to death. He killed him. I was dead. All right. Have a nice day. I pray to God I never get a ticket with you driving by. See, there's a lot of madmen out there with badges and guns and clubs. Be very careful. I learned when I was very young, I always comply with an officer. I never forget it. A friend of mine, father, they were very smart men. They said, if a cop pulls you over, say yes, sir, do what they ask, and fight it in court. Don't, don't argue with them. That's what we were taught. No one I ever knew got choked to death by a cop, by the way. They are the law. And when you have respect for the law, right or wrong, at a certain point, you'll do better in life because you fight them in court, not in the streets. In the streets, they have all the power. You have none. Do you understand that? Whether you're right or wrong doesn't matter. What matters is that in the street, they have the power. That is what they are put there for, to keep law and order. Some of them are nuts. Most of them are not. You may get a nut and wind up choked to death. It's that simple. Welcome back to the uh, Savage Nation. We have a great guest now from the Washington Times. I've enjoyed his columns for years, Steve Dinan, And he's talking about Bernie Sanders and his outlandish, crazy Uh, statements of what he's going to do. He's dropping in the polls, so he's getting more radical. And he said he would free drug convicts, abolish the death penalty. He would eliminate solitary confinement. He would promote an unarmed civilian corps to replace the police. An unarmed civilian corps, you know what that is, don't you? That's a group of brown shirts. The Sanders campaign poses as humanitarians, but in my opinion, it's something more sinister than that. And he, of course, ties it all in a neat package and calls it all racism. Steve Dinan, welcome to the Savage Nation. Great column. Uh, according to Sanders, it's racism that has broken our justice system. Is that what he's saying?
5: That's exactly right. It says it's institutional and long-standing, and uh, that would be the reason why it needs a complete overhaul. And you were just reading uh, some of the items. It's a, it's a massive. Massive overhaul. He envisions cutting uh, prison populations in half, uh, freeing uh, a large portion of drug users. Uh, the, the list is, is lengthy and stunning uh, for what he's talking about. And as I said, you just the, the things you read add to that. He wants to eliminate uh, cash bail. He wants mm. to uh, to block use of facial recognition. He wants mm. to, I believe you mentioned, uh, end solitary confinement. So it's big things and small things. The plan is really, really extensive.
1: Well, why would uh, – he's dropping in the polls now. So what is he getting, more radical to try and jump to the top?
5: You know, it's interesting. There's um, – uh, when you look at what he's talking about here, it is, it is every single possible item from the liberal wish list of criminal justice. Some of these things have been tried in states. Uh, other things uh, they've been looking for uh, in states but haven't actually gone. Well, they've
1: done it in California. We now have violence like we've not seen in many, many decades in San Francisco, by the way. We also have an out-of-control uh, homeless problem with regard not just to what defecation stories may appear, but to violence, etc., and many of them are ex-convicts. So we've seen the results of Jerry Brown releasing thousands of prisoners on the streets, and it's not been very pleasant.
5: Yeah, I- exactly. The, the cash bail thing that, that, that we just talked about, as you just said, California has already pioneered that. I believe it was uh, uh, under a court order where the, uh, a state court found cash bail to be unconstitutional in California. Uh, Sanders would like to take that uh, nationwide. You know, you, you mentioned uh, abolish the death penalty. You know, one of the things he's going to struggle with here, of course, is that uh, of the prison population, only about a tenth are actually in federal prisons and jails. Ninety mm. percent are in state and local prisons and jails. And He's going to run into a real fight when he tries to uh, tries to do things like uh, end cash bail and uh, ban solitary confinement, uh, uh, get better representation, all of this huge wish list. When he tries to get a state, say, Texas, you can imagine what they're going to say when Bernie Sanders comes along and says, we're going to withhold your federal money until you agree with my plan for criminal justice reform.
1: We're speaking with Steve Dynan about Bernie Sanders' absolutely crazy ideas to Overhaul the prison system and the justice system, and he—the uh, most dangerous um, one of his issues is replacing police with a civilian corps. That sounds very dangerous. What do you think of that?
5: So we don't know a lot of the details on what he's talking about there. He gave us only the uh, the very basic outline. Uh, I, he would characterize this as, uh, well, let's step back. His goal here is to have fewer people uh, end up touching the criminal justice system, end up touching the police in the first place, and end up in prison. And when they're in prison, he wants them released faster and with better uh, services to... Well, uh, let's
1: talk about that as two Americans without a political orientation. We do have a very large and very very large percentage of population in the prisons compared to our overall population, don't we?
5: We sure do, in particular compared to other countries with similar economies and what So
1: why is that? Why do we have is it the drug situation that has put so many people in prison?
5: So this is it's a really interesting question and a big debate and of course one of the reasons you mentioned earlier Sanders and what his motivation may be for going for this Look at who's at the top of the polls in the Democratic primary. It's Joe Biden, who uh, a number of Democrats, and in particular uh, uh, activists on the left of the Democratic Party, blame for, uh, in their phrase, incarcerating a generation of black men. And so, uh, given that, this makes a lot of sense if you're Bernie Sanders to say, hey, the top guy here, he's the guy who put you all in prison. I'm going to release uh, a number of these folks with the lower-level drug offenses and whatnot, and I'm going to make their transition a lot easier. So from a standpoint of uh, uh, of politics, it makes sense. You know, is Joe Biden really responsible for a generation of, uh, of black men in prison? We've done uh, stories that suggest, you know, that move was afoot well before Joe Biden wrote the mm. the 1993 crime bill, mm. but the problem for Biden is that he went out and claimed credit for mm. uh, for the toughness of that bill for decades, and now he's suffering from that. Bernie Sanders is sliding in with a political knife.
1: Okay, but let's for a moment put Sanders aside. Drug sentences for uh, people accounts for a good percentage of the prison population. Yes or no?
5: Yes. Uh, All right at the federal level it's All right
1: so we we have to really say to ourselves maybe something needs to be done with drug sentencing would you agree maybe
5: well, and so the interesting part about this is that the President Trump last year, this First Step Act, which uh, your, your listeners may remember, uh, is signed in December of last year. And uh, that took the first, as the name suggests, the first steps to, uh, first of all, lowering and equalizing some of those drug sentences. One of the things that, that, that irks a lot of folks on this issue is that the penalties for crack cocaine uh, yeah. were, were made much stiffer in the 80s and 90s than the penalties for other types and
1: that of largely affected uh, african-americans because they were the largest consumers of crack at the time correct
5: that's exactly right and and that is uh so which feeds into uh claims of institutional racism in the criminal justice system and so one of the big things that most folks do agree on is the need to equalize those penalties uh and, and it, you know cocaine is cocaine why in the world do you have that disparity so there are absolutely some uh, some things that i think everybody would agree on and of course as i said the first step act passed last year and was signed by president trump as a way to begin to deal with those disparities in sentences and to deal with some of the particularly harsh cases where uh folks that the average person might think was a lower level uh drug offender, you know, a user who got caught with a slightly larger or escalated amount, that bill or that law now tried to deal with that. So there are some areas of agreement, you know, could you could you go too far? I think a lot of Americans might say, yeah, there is a level where you are going too far.
1: Well, here's the question to you who's thought about this probably in great much greater detail than I have. We've heard about legalization. We've heard it on every level from marijuana all the way up the chain. What would happen if cocaine itself were legalized, do you think?
5: I don't actually have a good answer to that. What I do know, so one of the other things I cover extensively is, is immigration and the uh, um, one of the fascinating things about those drug cartels right now is that with marijuana being legalized in the U.S. in a number mm-hmm. of states, uh, the cartels, there's still a heavy marijuana flow across the southwest border, but the cartels are already diversifying into expanding their, their, their uh, production and their smuggling of methamphetamine and mm. fentanyl. So the, the cartels uh, oh. are certainly ready to exploit and adapt to whatever we do on this side. Uh, if, if nothing else, they'll provide another, uh, another outlet if we do legalize uh, cocaine here.
1: Steve Dinan of The Washington Times. You know, I, I was reading an article two weeks ago that there were actually beheadings and murders in Mexico over avocado farms and the cartels are actually in the avocado business. Is there any truth to that?
5: I don't know about that, but I do know that they are in, um, they have their hands in a lot of different businesses. Obviously, they control not only the, the drug traffic across the border, they control the flow of people, illegal immigrants across the border. I, I did a story earlier this year where I found the most amazing thing was that the drug cartels in Mexico were working with the uh, Aryan Brotherhood in Texas <laughs> on human smuggling. You talk about a crazy, strange bedfellow. Oh, my They God. managed to find common ground on smuggling of people across the border.
1: That's astounding. So there's no end to this. Uh, it's a conundrum. We don't know where it begins and where it ends, do we? And this poor country seems to be overrun right now, not only with immigrants, but with drugs coming over the border. And many of us see the, uh, the flood of immigrants totally tied to the flood of drugs and that a lot of these people are actually being used as mules. They're not all coming here to work. Some of them are actually just smuggling drugs. But they can't inspect every human being, can they? No, impossible. Well, but let's go back to Bernie and his crazy ideas. Some of them are really not so crazy, and they've actually been instituted by Trump, is what you've said. The First Step Act actually covers much of the same ground as Sanders, cutting drug sentences and offering new rehabilitative services for those in prison. So in some ways, when Trump says that it's crazy Bernie, uh, he doesn't have to look any further than his own liberal policies that have been put in place with regard to prisoners, right?
5: Yeah, that, that's true, though. There are certainly other areas where he, uh, where Sanders goes further than uh, probably anybody else on the Democratic stage, uh, and then further than, certainly than Trump. Uh, the example that I would give of that is that Sanders not only wants to restore uh, voting rights to uh, felons when they are released from prison, he believes that those still incarcerated should be voting. So essentially set up a precinct at the, or I guess maybe have absentee ballots distributed and prisons to, uh, to felons. So those whose society is deemed Uh, not worthy of being out in the community would still have a voice in the operations of the community.
1: It would be nice if Sanders cared as much about ballots for our serving military overseas, wouldn't it? But I I doubt we'll ever see that day. Uh, Nevertheless, it's not racism that we're targeting here. It may be common sense uh, prison reform that we all have to talk about because we all agree that a person doesn't belong in prison just for smoking a joint. I mean, we've all come to that. And yet, There are people who I think have served years for smoking a joint in Texas going back to the 1940s. Wouldn't that be true? I think I remember that.
5: So I, I don't know about that particular case. But, no, as you said, there, there, there's absolutely common ground to be found here. The, the key question is whether uh, whether by offering such a massive proposal, Sanders doesn't make it tougher to achieve those areas of common ground. And, that you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill right now as I speak to you, and, and that, those are exactly the sorts of wish lists that end up poisoning what could otherwise be uh, cooperation.
1: So he always over, over goes over there, because you called us from the Senate Press Gallery, right in Washington, D.C. to be on the show, which I certainly appreciate. This is a very important topic. We're speaking with Steve Dynan, great writer for The Washington Times, and it's about Bernie Sanders' criminal justice overhaul suggestions, some of the suggestions being rational, but many of them being crazy, uh, like replacing the police with God knows who. Why does he say we should eliminate, uh, what is this thing, Uh, solitary confinement?
5: What's that about? Well, so it, it's uh well he argues that it's unconstitutional that it's a uh, um, a violation of uh, of essentially cruel and unusual punishment and uh, and so we need to do away with it and th- which raises another question: how much of this uh, would Sanders be able to do unilaterally through um, you know through executive action and how much of this would he if he were president how much would he actually need uh, to go through Congress to do that's one of those areas where a solitary confinement you've got to imagine that the uh, with with a couple of executive orders or executive memos he could probably change federal policy on solitary confinement what is
1: the purpose of, of putting someone in the hole what isn't it like the most extreme form of isolation in order to break a prisoner who's uncontrollable is that what it's for
5: well, yes. I mean, to uh, I'm not sure that uh, "break a person" is necessarily the phrase that they would use, but they uh, to control somebody that they feel they cannot control. And you know, when you're talking about a prisoner, part of that is just uh, about uh, about establishing, "Hey, we are in control as the prisoner. You, you, if the inmate, are not in control of your situation." By mm-hmm. definition, that's what happens when you are incarcerated. Uh, and so, it's. It, uh, it, I mean. I've certainly never been through the experience. Uh, my uh, my familiarity with it comes from reporting and from you know, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, the uh, coverage of uh, through documentaries and and whatnot. But right. it certainly does not seem like an experience that uh, that, that I would want to go through. But again, you're an inmate, and if you end up in that position, usually there's a reason for it.
1: Oh, I wouldn't. I would be remiss in this discussion we're having if I didn't mention Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, when he lost total control and realized he'd be in prison the rest of his life. We're hearing that's why he hung himself, although I still don't believe that's the uh, the true story. I think that's a cover story for what really happened, but that's speculation. It will go on for a very long time. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We are speaking with Steve Dynan of The Washington Times on a very important topic, and I thank you so much for being with us, Steve. Thanks a lot. Savage. All right, so in closing out the show, i got to tell you, i got two emails i got to read you, and they're going to be anonymous. So I send the Breitbart article, exclusive, Savage Slammers, Media Silence, Over UK Banner, T-Lab Uproar. So I sent it to a major reporter from a major publication, and I mean big. And he's a liberal, but a reasonable man. And he says, you need to get Trump on the case. If he'll pardon Sheriff Joe, he should pardon you. So I emailed him, and I said, yes, you are right, even though you are left. And then I got another email from a major figure in the media who says, um, your plight was headlined uh, all over the media on August 2nd. Is there anything new? And I said, yes, the hypocrisy of Congress, that they're making such a big deal about T-Lab and Omar not being allowed to go into Israel, even though they hate Israel and want to undermine Israel and destroy the Jewish state, uh, while they've never said one word about Michael Savage being banned from entering England, when I've never said anything negative about England. In fact, I admire the English in England. That's the big deal. So those are some of the things we have been talking about. I want to go back to a couple of other topics in the minute that remains. I don't know if I have much time. Here are members of Antifa, the new fascist organization that are taking over the streets of our country, explaining in clip number two why they wear masks. Listen carefully. The main reason we wear masks is so that when the Proud Boys see us, they don't uh, dox us or, like, release our information and identify us because we don't want people coming to our houses and interfering with our personal lives. Oh, you don't? So it's not because we want to, you know, mix it up with the police or whatever. Oh, it's no? just so that we can protect ourselves. Oh, yeah, really? Then why do you talk with such a lispy little voice? Listen, my friends, make no mistake about it. They're not the good guys. They're the really bad guys. They are the new fascists of our time. And President Trump is a thousand percent right when he says he may declare them a domestic terrorist group. And you will find out, That once Trump declares Antifa to be the terrorist, domestic terrorist groups that they are, you will see them take their masks off and scurry back to the universities where most of them come from, like the cockroaches that they are, living on the public dole while screaming about the evils of America. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow is another day. Please be sure to read the Breitbart article, which is now linked on michaelsavage.com. Tomorrow is another day. I shall return with your listenership.
0: The Westwood One Podcast Network.